this work is not finite work. It is not something that can be embarked upon and we can just leave it as it stands. It will continually evolve. It has to in order for it to make the difference that it needs to make and continue to have lasting impact. I'm Kathleen Hughes, and you are listening to FYI, the Public Libraries podcast, a production of the Public Library Association. In this episode, we are talking about the cultural proficiencies for racial equity framework, which was approved by the boards of directors of the four partner organizations, the American Library Association, the Association of College and Research Libraries, the Association of Research Libraries, and the Public Library Association during the summer of 2022. Our guests today are Christina Fuller-Gregory, Assistant Director of Libraries, South Carolina Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities, and Kristen LaHerd, Deputy Director of ALA Conference Services, though at the time of this recording, she was Assistant Director, Literacy and Continuing Education, ALA Office for Diversity, Literacy, and Outreach Services. I am Christina Fuller-Gregory. I'm the Assistant Director of Libraries at the South Carolina Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. I am Kristen LaHerd. I have been at the American Library Association for just over eight years. Prior to that, I was a middle school classroom teacher and literacy coach, and I live just outside of Chicago with my family. Congratulations on getting the framework over the finish line. A lot of work went into this. Maybe we can start with explaining more about the cultural proficiencies for racial equity framework for our listeners. What is it? The idea for this framework was inspired and influenced by the Nexus framework on leadership development. It was called Nexus Lab, layers of leadership across libraries, archives, and museums, and the process and product that really came out of that. The focus on racial equity was intentional from the beginning. There's a real need, not only in the field of librarianship, but in equity, diversity, and inclusion work for focused efforts on race and addressing racial inequity. The mission was really about creating a foundational resource that could help public and academic libraries build inclusive cultures. So within the libraries, their broader communities, and to do so through guidelines on the development and implementation of organizational policies and professional practices that support diverse libraries with a diverse workforce. The goals of the project were first to recruit a task force with diversity in race, gender, geography, library type, position in libraries, and then for the group to scan the environment, to do a review of similar standards and framework, including those related to racial equity, to draft the framework with comment from stakeholders, from the library community, and to revise as needed before issuing a final framework. Can we talk a little bit about the process? The process certainly looked a lot different from how we envisioned it. And that's largely because of the pandemic. In fall 2019, Mark Puente and I led the selection process. We had support from Allison Payne, who is the program manager for strategic initiatives in the Association of College and Research Libraries. Allison has been one of the staff leads on the project since then. We released the call for volunteers. We had a really impressive response. We formed the task force in January 2020 
And we had 12 members from academic and public libraries across the U.S. and also Canadian representation. And we had diversity in gender and racial identity. We also started out with a couple of advisors on the project, Mia Henry and Lena Tenney. And Mia is a social justice educator and consultant and has worked with the Public Library Association. And Lena is a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer at Ohio State University. Catherine Skinner, who is executive director of Educopia Institute, joined the project at that point as facilitator. And we planned to meet in person in Chicago in April 2020. And that was really to just build community and to start the framework process. But of course, COVID and the stay-at-home orders prevented that. So it became, like so many others, a virtual effort. Catherine Skinner led the group through the process of creating a, a logic model to really ground the creation of the framework. And we finalized that in early 2021. And the logic model helped define the task force's intended vision, activities, outputs, outcomes, and impact. And we also created working groups in the spring of 2020 as the project was getting going. So first we had a survey group and they released a racial equity task force survey to assess public and academic libraries' racial equity efforts and their employees' perceptions and experiences. We had a data and competencies group, which compiled data on racial equity trainings and current standards and guidelines for library audiences. Our glossary group, which defined key terms to help support the framework. And then, of course, the framework development group. And Christina joined the project as facilitator of that framework in May 2021 and really led the framework development, the call for comments, and the process of review, revision, and finalizing the framework. Well, thank you for that background, Kristen. Let's dig a little bit into the resulting document. Maybe we can start talking about the frames. In frame one, that is addressing and interrogating how white supremacy, white privilege, and racism show up in libraries. There are a couple of things that we touch on, so a couple of touchstones in that particular framework. We start off, of course, by giving grounding, and that happens by giving that historical background, so understanding historical inequities. We talk about methodologies for self-assessment because we know that there's a critical self-assessment piece that is, is part of this larger work. It all starts with where we are as individuals. We talk about libraries and racial equity, and we talk about the language of racial equity and white supremacy. So we give some foundational information around that. And then we talk a little bit about the competency continuum. We talk about how in this continuum, there's the overlap. So we talk about historical trajectory of racial oppression there. Um, we talk about individual and systems-based bias and implicit bias. We really dig and unpack into that BIPOC emotional um, labor that often happens as we're embarking upon this work. And we talk about closing racial equity gaps in this profession. So all of those things happen right straight out of the gate with us. So that is framework one. The second framework, uh, we kind of are continuing to build on the work with the accountability assessment and implementation. In that frame, some really critical pieces. So in libraries, you know, we talk a lot about hiring, recruitment, and retention. I know particularly in public libraries, it's a narrative that I've heard quite a bit. So we talk about anti-racist objectives and strategies for libraries. And of course, I think there's a little intersectionality between understanding those strategies and then thinking about hiring and retention and recruitment. 
In frame two, we also talk about strategic planning, which is really uh, great to be thinking about how these frames and how our anti-racist work could kind of weave its way into our strategic planning and thinking about that, adding and weaving EDI into it. We also talk about accountability alongside that assessment piece is that accountability piece. Because once I've turned inward and I've examined uh, my own implicit bias, my own biases as they exist, it's really important to think, what next? How can I hold myself accountable? And then, of course, how can I turn outward and hold the people around me in my environment organizationally accountable? Of course, we also talk about power relationships within the field. So we really have two first frames that are jam-packed with really relevant information. Frame three is building cross-cultural, cross-sector proficiency, influencing and affecting change in professional, civic, and uh, political spheres. And so libraries, archives, museums, and other cultural heritage organizations do not operate in a vacuum or in silos. And so in this section, we talk about how to build those relationships, how to utilize those in our work to build capacity and connectivity, particularly with our neighborhoods and our communities, civic entities and beyond, because that is a really important piece of this EDI work that we're doing. And then finally, in frame four, we discuss anti-racist leadership, talk about the interconnectedness of libraries, so big L libraries, and in the larger institution of ALA, ARL, we talk about the role of the member in advancing support for this work. So we know that it doesn't necessarily fall all to the member. And there's a larger work that has to be done in the institutions of ALA and ARL. And so we, we talk about that in this section. So four really verbose sections. I will say that in writing this and working on this framework with Mark Puente, Teresa Moreno, and Marcella Assuster, just working with them on this framework. I think we all had passion pieces of the framework, pieces where that really resonated with us. And for me, frame two really jumps out because it's uh, so jam-packed with relevant information in this work. And we're thinking about how our libraries are appearing and how we can be reflective of our communities and hiring retention and recruitment is a big piece and part of that. Thank you for that explanation. In frame one, you spoke a little about competency continuum. When we're thinking about the competency continuum, it is really basically looking at an intersection of those principles that we talked about. So all of our four frames and really thinking about how those competencies or the four frames overlap and tie back to a demonstration of what we call anti-racist knowledge and, and knowledge building. So all four of the frames, although covering different things on a continuum, there's a lot of intersectionality there. Looking at each piece individually, if they're embarked upon in sync, there's this continuum that is created. And so we were thinking about those intersection principles and how they work together, particularly as it relates to a couple of things. We talked about like a historical trajectory of racial oppression, BIPOC-specific emotional labor, individual and system-based implicit bias, and closing racial equity gaps. So looking at that and then centering those four frames along that continuum. During the framework, you spoke of self-assessment. When we wrote the framework, we really wanted to be intentional about examples. When you're reading the framework, of course, you have the language around the topics that we're covering, but we also make sure to call out references that tie back to it. So one of those was the implicit association test. In frame one, we were talking about libraries and racial equity, and we were talking about methodologies and the competency continuum, but we also gave an example of that test. So we provided it there so that it could be used as a touchstone, because I know when I'm reading a really substantive framework 
And I wanted to think about how it could be applicable in, with my work. I like examples. And so that was one of the examples that we provided for the reader of the framework. So what's happening now with the framework? What I'd like to see happening with the framework uh, is that uh, people are finding ways in which to utilize it past the point of just the framework. I want to see it being dissected and consumed in a little bit more of a, a snapshot application. So it is so much content. Ideally, people are able to take this big piece of information and maybe kind of formulating training that are more micro instead of macro. And so unpacking this big framework so that it could really be more on a micro level is what I hope to see happening next with it. Kristen, what about you? One thing I would like to see with this framework is greater intentionality, greater visibility, greater accountability and follow-up. At this time, we're starting to see, I think, conversation about the numerous institutional statements that were released in the summer of 2020. The question is, has any actual change come out of those, right? And so we hope that this framework can be an impetus for conversations and actions. Is there any curriculum and development or accompanying professional development coming along? We all are very much interested in the opportunities for professional development. Yeah, I think we're just so fresh coming off of the finalization of this. That conversation is yet to come, but it is very much an area of interest and commitment. Maybe you could each say one thing you're hoping for from this project. Tangible racial equity efforts, which to me look like actions that employees and the community and stakeholders can actually point to. A mission that might speak to racial equity needs to have really concrete actions that we can point to to say, these are the steps that this institution is taking to further racial equity. I'm going to add to what Kristen has shared and say that the one thing that uh, was a constant and in our conversations was that this understanding that the framework alone is not a liberatory practice. Because I think that a lot of times we think that we've done this, we've, we've written this framework and, and here it is, we present it to you and we're done. But this work is not finite work. It is not something that can be embarked upon and we can just leave it as it stands. It will continually evolve. It has to in order for it to make the difference that it needs to make. And so that is my hope is that it will continue on and on. It will grow, it will change and continue to have lasting impact. Both of your hopes kind of work together, action and then that it stays top of mind. One of the things I think we're proud of about this is that when you're doing racial equity work and conversations, to build community in person was a no-brainer, and that was taken away. So I'm really proud that this group and our facilitators and our staff support, that we managed to see it through, that it took much longer than we ever intended, but there's a real sense of accomplishment around that. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing and hearing more about this project and watching as it evolves. That was Christina Fuller Gregory and Kristen LaHerd discussing the cultural proficiencies for racial equity framework. You can find more information about the framework at www.ala.org slash PLA slash initiatives slash EDI slash racial equity framework. Thank you for listening. Thank you.